Welcome, everyone, to the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Here on the show, we bring you interviews with business owners, executives, and key players operating in and around the Ottawa, Ontario, Canada region. We grab their insights on business, marketing, leadership, and motivation. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show, Thomas Genioli from the Miracle Marnie Foundation. We're going to be diving deep today on the Miracle Marnie Foundation, finding out all of the great work that they've been doing over the years, and specifically zero in on what they're doing going forward when it comes to childhood cancer. You're going to want to tune into this. Welcome, everybody, to the Ottawa Business Podcast. Uh, joining me today on the episode is Thomas Genioli from the Miracle Marnie Foundation. Uh, Thomas and I met last spring at a meeting of, uh, of OBA, the Osgood Ward Business Association. Uh, it turns out I ended up sitting uh, right beside uh, Tommy beside uh, at breakfast, and we met for the first time and uh, quickly uh, met shortly thereafter for... Uh, for a coffee and I think even lunch and discuss the Miracle Marnie Foundation. It's, uh, it's truly a captivating story uh, with four kids myself hearing uh, sort of the Miracle Marnie story and hearing what families go through that deal with childhood cancer. It definitely pulls, uh, pulls at the heartstrings pretty hard. Um, I, was, uh, I was fortunate enough, uh, Thomas asked me to give him a hand with their uh, first ever gala fundraiser last year. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of that, November the 16th. And I thought this was a great time to, as that one-year anniversary is coming up, to have Thomas come on and, and tell the audience the story uh, of the Miracle Marnie Foundation. It's, it's, a, it's a truly uh, magnificent story. Uh, and may, maybe we can go into, we'll go into a little bit of the, uh, of the work that they do as well and, and, and some of the some of the causes that, that they've been able to, to achieve and, and help along the way here. Uh, so it's my pleasure to introduce, uh, introduce the audience here to, to Thomas Genioli. Thomas, welcome to the show. Hey, Paul. Thank you for having me. There's, uh, there's definitely lots to unpack uh, here, Tommy, in, 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 in telling the Miracle Marnie story as I learned firsthand. Uh, maybe take us back to to sort of your your upbringing. What, what where were you born again? Are you in just outside of Toronto? No, I, I born actually in Toronto at okay. Doctor's Hospital in downtown Toronto, which okay. is no longer there anymore. <laughs> oh, the hospital's gone. Yeah, the hospital's gone. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. a I'm a college and and Manning uh, kid, uh, Little Italy in Toronto. Okay. Okay. And how big, was it a big family you got, you had growing up? Uh, it was my brother and I, I had an older brother. His name was Joe. Uh, but my dad was one of 10 and he was the oldest of the 10. Wow. And, uh, so yeah, in, in, uh, where we lived was right around the corner from my Nona and my, uh, my Nona's place and all my aunts okay. and uncles were very close. So, okay. So, so you had a lot of, a lot of good dinners and a lot of good food. Yeah, a lot of family. Yeah. Sundays were at, uh, at, uh, 
the grandparents that's for sure oh that's awesome that's awesome and and bring us bring us through sort of your you know growing up and and what yeah. sort of brought you to ottawa and how you got to ottawa sure yeah no i uh we, you know, uh, as I, as I grew up in, uh, we moved around a lot. Dad was a, was a truck driver and, um, and we, we stayed in the city for a short period of time until I was probably in grade three. And then we headed North and I did most of my growing up in, uh, in a town called, uh, Keswick, which was North of uh, the city of Toronto. Um, and then from, from there, uh, I moved, uh, with my mom to Aurora and I uh, finished high school in Aurora and okay. then I graduated high school and headed off to university. I went to Bishop's university in Lennoxville, Quebec and, uh, ended up staying on, uh, graduated, graduated university, went on to be a teacher for a short period of time. And, um, what brought me to Ottawa, I was working in Toronto for, for a period of time with, uh, with a corporation. And, um, I had left that business and was looking for a new place to plant my feet. And a friend of mine, uh, had moved, um, here to Ottawa and had a big house that was pretty open. Uh, yeah. He, he had a roommate already. And, and so, uh, I, I let him know that, uh, you know, I was kind of looking for a new start and he invited me to come up and, and uh and hang out with him for a bit and uh that turned into i think almost six years seven years that we lived together up here with uh different roommates and stuff okay okay and do, do we know who the roommate was or <laughs> yeah uh, so uh, the roommate was mike fisher and uh, mike uh played with the ottawa senators and uh, my other roommate was chris neal uh, from the ottawa senators as well Okay. And, and was Mike was first, was he not? Uh, uh, no, they, when I, I knew Mike first, uh, Mike and I had met when he was still playing in junior hockey with uh, Sudbury. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, and then when I moved here, he was already rooming. Chris had already been called up from Grand Rapids to be with the team. And, okay. Uh, yeah. I had met Chris a few times when they played the Leafs in Toronto with Mike. And, uh, so yeah, him and him and, him and Neeler were living together already when I, when I moved in. Okay. So what was that like? Um, yeah, you know, like you got three guys living <laughs> on a ranch and, uh, and just having fun and, uh, you know, their world was, uh, was obviously not a, your average normal world. You yeah. Two hockey players and the prime of their lives and, uh, just enjoying, just enjoying being with them. They were, and still are, I consider them lifelong friends and that's awesome. Um, just great guys to be around. And, and what's like, it like on game day? I got to ask this. What's, what's it, what was it like on game day? Like uh, for me or for them? <laughs> well, I think, I think, I think for the two of you, I mean, I mean, I, I knew, I knew uh, pretty close to the, the minute where they would be uh, depending on if it was a game day or not. Um, game days are pretty important. And, uh, and I knew, uh, I knew my role as a roommate was not to be in the house or if I was to be there, uh, during the early afternoons, that was their nap time and, and okay. generally sleeping before a game. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they would practice in the morning, then they would go and have uh, their lunch and then they would 
get home, have a nap. And uh, Chris was usually the first one up to head to the rink, and then and then Mike would follow shortly thereafter. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, they would play the game, and then we'd all go out for a bite to eat after because they never had dinner, right? They would just they would just have small snacks before before a game. So, so let's say the game's at seven. Like, when are like are they eat, they're having a nap, and then after the nap, they're just having something small to get them through the game. Is that it? Fueled up and pretty much, yeah. Okay, yeah. They never, you know, you never have a big meal. But they have a big lunch. They load up on their carbs and their and their meats before for their yeah. lunchtime, the pregame, and then and then they would have dinner after the game. Okay, okay. And were like, did they have? any sort of routine like so i know some some of these athletes are pretty particular it's like yeah. you know the sticks got to be lined up the right way and i'm not sure like on that level they both had their own routine i knew that chris would be the first one to leave for the rink and he had his routine and yeah and mike would get more sleep and and he had his routine the way that they they did things yeah um, superstitions and stuff i don't know i i know that they were pretty particular about their sticks and yeah and, yeah yeah we never really got into you know um the way that they that they would be in the dressing room for a game or stuff yeah. like that yeah yeah what 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 about like anything in the house like dude do you guys ever have any good scraps in the house or we had uh so Neeler Neeler is the youngest of four brothers and uh, okay. and I was the youngest of my me and my sibling. Um so we loved to wrestle and uh <laughs> and, and we would put on some we would have some good Donnie Brooks, especially if we had some some friends staying over and stuff. We would we would wreck the place pretty good. And uh and Chris was always fun to to have those wrestling matches with because he could yeah. take a joke he could take a punch and that kind of stuff. Okay. Mike, uh, Mike, not so much. Mike is, uh, you know, second born and, <laughs> and a few times, uh, you know, we get wrestling and you could just see this glaze come over his eyes. And then you knew you're in a world of hurt because he would just start throwing them for real. <laughs> and, uh, but I knew, I knew to keep my distance from fish when it came to, you know, the, the wrestling matches and stuff. Cause, uh, it went from uh, it went from you know having a lot of hilarious fun to being you know being uh, afraid of what's coming next. So, <laughs> so so are you saying you kind of learned to look for that glaze, and when the glaze happened, like look out? <laughs> I, I learned not to even start. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! You know, it's it's funny you say that too, because looking back on his career. You know, it wasn't like he was like Chris where he'd jaw at the guy for a little bit and then they'd go at it. Mike just seemed to drop it and go, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, he always had a, a purpose. And I think even as you saw him later in his career, when he took on leadership roles as assistant captain and particularly captain, um, Mike was always a fighter for those who couldn't fight for themselves or didn't want to fight for themselves or mm – -hmm. You know that kind of role where I I saw him many times come to the defense of a player who had been hit probably the wrong way, and Mike took exceptions to to those friends uh, and wanted to protect them, and and so he would he would drop the gloves, and that's usually when you would see him just go straight at it rather than any kind of <laughs> messing around, you know. <laughs> 
Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So where, where, where does that bring, bring Tommy? You're, you guys are all together. You're all roommates and. Yeah. Um, so Neeler got married first. Um, okay. He met his wife, Kate, and then, uh, and then I got married and then fish got married. And, uh, you know, once, once you get married kind of thing, you sort of have to say goodbye to the boys and, yeah, uh, and move on. And, uh, I met my wife, Becky, through uh, Mike's aunt and uncle, actually. Oh, wow. And, yeah. So there's I a didn't know that. And um, they're, they're good family friends. And, uh, and so, yeah, Becky and I got married. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's been almost 11 years now since we've been married. So, so I got to ask this, too, here, uh, Tommy, just be- before we, we lose the 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 gist of Mike and Carrie. So like when did you guys find out that that Carrie was in the scene? Uh well really I guess you know early on. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think And Mike I seems a, like a private guy that he'd be like, you know, just keep this uh, under wraps type thing. Oh yeah, but I think I think we're all pretty private when it comes yeah. to that kind of stuff. Um, I, I will say this, that it, it, it really broke my heart many times to read the papers that you would think that are reputable, mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, stories and stuff and know full well that they're not true and they're claiming them to be true because it hurts people. Um, and I don't think, you know, just for selling a paper or a blogger or whatever, you know, it, it got to a point where it just said, you know, sources say that this is what's happening. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that we rely on that kind of stuff. And we don't call out these, these uh, organizations to reveal what those sources are, if you're going to say something, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. So yeah, like I, I knew, obviously, um, early on. And I think, um, I think the the beautiful thing of my friendships with with the guys has been to um, to honor that friendship and mm-hmm. not um, you know not sell them out or anything like that and um, and uh, yeah so Carrie's an, an amazing amazing person and um, has been a, a a champion for Marnie and our family uh, since we've known her and since the girls came along. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And and w- so let's let's sort of fast forward a little bit here. You you and Becky get married and mm-hmm. yeah. So we have our first daughter Ada. Uh, we were married for three years because we just wanted to travel and and do things together. And so we waited to have kids, and uh, we had Ada. And then uh, and then two years later, Marnie comes along. And uh, we were living in Barhaven and we just felt that, you know, the, the big house and the small lot wasn't good for the kids to, you know, they walk out on the front yard and they'd be on the road in two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So I know uh, that feeling. Yeah. My wife grew up in Osgood and uh, we had talked about, you know, just maybe getting out of town and we had friends who, who owned a house in and around that area and, and so we we started chatting with them and we ended up relocating uh to a rural part of uh ottawa and getting uh downsizing the house and upsizing the yard and mm-hmm. we haven't we haven't looked back since it's been great yeah that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah and then and then eight is born and then yeah uh, marnie comes along 
Marnie came along and uh, we had Marnie in, uh, in 20, 2014. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, everything was great. Like we were living life and we, you know, family of four and um, you know, I would, Becky's a teacher and I was a real estate appraiser and, and we we're just busy and we were doing soccer and we were doing, trying to get the kids involved in things. Obviously Marnie was just a baby, uh, but Ada was just starting to get involved with team sports and stuff. And so we we're having a lot of fun. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden in, uh, you know, in July, uh, it was a long weekend in July, 2016, we were camping at the KOA and Marnie just started getting, sick to her stomach one morning and and on the Saturday morning of Canada day and she just wasn't well. And, and uh, mm-hmm. we were close enough to home that I said to Becky, why don't you take her home? I'll stay here with Ada and we'll see if a good night's sleep at home would work. And, and unfortunately that didn't play out. She got worse. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I ended up coming home and, and Becky had taken her to Kempville hospital just to get checked out. And they thought it was a virus and they had sent her home. By the time I got home, we um we had put her down for a nap and and something just wasn't sitting right with me just looking at her and i went down to to wake her up and we had put her on the couch at that time and ada was playing around her and she wasn't even moving and i went to wake her up and i couldn't wake her up Uh, she had slipped into a coma and holy uh, smokes yeah and so when we got her up to the top of the stairs um she was in and out of kind of consciousness we would you know do everything to try to wake her and then uh we checked her we opened up her eyelids and uh, one of her eyelids was blown or one of her eyeballs uh, was quite large and the other one was was fixed and dilated so i knew two things i knew that it was not good and Mm -hmm. i knew that it was probably either a brain bleed or a seizure or something damaged in the head and uh so we called 911 right away and mm-hmm. they shipped us back to Kempville and they couldn't figure out what on earth was happening because they had seen her earlier that day and she mm-hmm. she was awake and well and just obviously a little groggy and then uh once they once they saw the eye the eyes uh off they called Chio and then Chio uh sent orange ambulance to to get us and get us up to chio okay so when we got to chio uh they put us in a ct scan very quickly and that's when they found the brain tumor okay yeah so that you know that then things go really fast (laughs) yeah now just just before we we head head down there uh uh, tommy like she wasn't like she had no symptoms at all leading into this. Like it's long weekend, you guys are camping. It's yeah, it's probably one of the craziest things because um, you know they just did a huge seminar on her case uh, at the World Conference for Cancer, uh, Pediatric Cancer is called PSYOP, and I was able to see all the scans again and hear all the the technical doctors speaking about her case and presenting it to all these these um, professionals. And to see the size of the tumor that was in her head, the fact that she was on a bouncy castle the day before and not missing a beat, she wasn't falling over like, you know, all the time her eyes yeah. were, 
were fine. There was no red flags. And we, trust me, we look back at that a lot and try to figure out like what on earth did we miss? And, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Like what, what did we not see? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there, you know, there's just nothing, there was nothing there that would have given us the sign that she was, she was in a lot of trouble. So, so now you're at, you guys are at Chio and yeah. what, what happened after that? Yeah. Well, the chief of neurosurgery, uh, David McCauley, he, he really took the bull by the horns and because uh, it's very uncommon that you see a child two years old, unresponsive coming in with a brain tumor. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he took it right by the horn. They had us signing documents right away saying like, you need to sign these to save her life. And uh, it's, it's very, it's very um, critical right now. Mm-hmm. And um so they had the CT scan. His intention for the first surgery was just to go in and relieve the pressure on the brain and, okay. uh, and cut open her, you know, cut open the head. And he's like, I'll have a look at the, at the tumor and see what it is. And if, if it's favorable, I'll try to remove some of it. Okay. Um, but usually what they like to do is they, they'll, they like to do an MRI. And an MRI is a very detailed uh, leveling and signals of the brain that he could map the brain and, and really identify what's healthy and what's not healthy t- uh, tissue. Okay. Uh, but she didn't have that time. So, you know, it wasn't until later that we figured out that Marnie probably had about an hour left. Um, Is that so it, eh? That was about it. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Man. And so, you know, he went in and, uh, you know, what we thought was going to be just a couple hours to, to get the pressure off the brain turned into her first surgery was 18 and a half hours. Holy smokes, man. Yeah. And so, uh, he was able to get a lot of the tumor, but, Mm -hmm. um, he, he felt that it was time for her to come off and, and, and be safe. And, um, and that I'll tell you, we, we just couldn't, we look back now, the, the humbleness of these, these professionals at, at CHEO, you know, you have a chief of surgery, he could have had pride and he could have like, I'm going to get it all and, and, and that's it. And he did not. He really listened to his team. Marnie, he listened to his patient because Marnie was starting to get really tired. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he decided to make the call and, and stop the surgery and, uh, and, and fight another day kind of thing with more ammunition so he stopped the first surgery and then uh you know marnie was awake the next day uh they woke her up and uh, she was able to talk to us and uh, she recovered very fast like they were they were amazed mm-hmm. so we're, we're you know we're a faith-based family you know that paul and yeah i'll tell you we had a praying army uh yeah it was hard for her and um we just, uh, we focused on, on that and just, uh, you know, we asked, uh, that there would be no long-term effects from the surgery because she could have swelled up a lot, uh, being 18 hours in one spot on her face, mm-hmm. but she had very little swelling around her eye and, uh, and she recovered very, very quickly. And, you know, like eight, 18 hours. That's, that's, that's crazy. Long. Like, like how many, like, like, like I'm assuming that just going to throw this out that the doctors aren't like, they're all there for 18 hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, so they have a team. Uh, there was, there was two of them, Macaulay and, 
Vasilati was working on her, and so they would switch out. And uh, but yeah, the team stays the whole time. And, like they're uh, not going home and having a nap, or like eighteen uh, hours uh, is a long time. And who knows when they started their shift be- before you got there? Yeah, well, this is it. They're they're superheroes as far as wow, I that's crazy. That's, that's incredible. But you know, long story short, Polly, she she would go on to have two more brain surgeries. Uh, both would resect the tumor a hundred percent. Um, and we would find out later that, uh, the diagnosis of the tumor was a very rare and very aggressive, uh, brain tumor in children called an embryonic tumor. And, uh, it happens in, in little children and it's a very aggressive tumor. It grows back in a matter of uh, weeks okay. and, uh, not many. Not many people have seen that kind of tumor, and uh, Chio has never seen it. And Marty was the first case at Chio, okay. And, uh, and and so yeah, so quickly Marty uh, Marty became uh, uh, kind of a a, a learning uh, case for Chio. Yeah. Uh, but we were blessed to have Doctor Annie Wang at Sick Kids, who's the world specialist in this tumor, in her lab that was there. She was the one that. That Dr. Uh, Johnston uh, Chio's chief of oncology reached out to, and uh, and then uh, between the two of them, they came up with a with a protocol that we had to follow, and uh, and Marnie would go on to have three stem cell transplants and thirty three rounds of radiation and four oh, nice. rounds of chemo, um, and uh, and yeah. over how much time is all of this, Tommy? Yeah, within a year and a half. Wow. So you guys were constantly living in the hospital. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were, uh, we were either in the hospital or Ronald McDonald house, or we were on day passes to, to be at home. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, most of the majority of that time was spent in treatment of one form or another. The the additional surgeries was that, you know, preventative as well to make sure like you said it's not because it is aggressive it's not growing back and then and then whatever's there you're you're removing it well the first surgery was to save her life and get as much of the tumor out the second surgery we knew that we would have to go back in and try to get the rest of it out but we didn't know what it was yet okay Uh, so we went in on the second surgery we, we did find out just before the second surgery what it was so then we knew it had to come out because it would be the only way to save her life. Um, so they went in the second time. They got a full resection the second time where they took the whole tumor out. Okay. Uh, within the two weeks that we waited to, to start chemotherapy and, and let her body heal, they did a pre-MRI that I sort of pushed for uh, because they were doing a scan of her, her spine and I wanted another scan of the head. And it revealed that the tumor had actually already started growing back again. Wow. The third surgery was to get her the regrowth out of her so that they could start chemo. And instead of waiting two weeks for chemo, they were more aggressive. They started it the like within two days of the the final surgery. Okay. Okay. And, and just in terms, I guess maybe they don't even know yet. I'll just throw this out there. Did they know generally at this point like how many times it kind of comes back or is that still an unknown Uh, it's a very it's a it's such a rare tumor that not a lot of people knew what they were dealing with
Dr. Wang sort of knew, obviously, with her training and yeah. her experience with ATRT tumors and ETMR tumors. But there, it's the one thing that the Miracle Marty Foundation continues to work with the Wang Lab at SickKids is to educate the neurosurgeons and the pathologists about how aggressive the ETMR tumor is. Mm-hmm. Because many of them treat them, if they're unknown throughout the world, the ETMR is treated just like a regular brain tumor, which is generally a slow-growing tumor, gives you some time that you have a, a shot at you know, diagnosis, uh, maybe doing a surgery or, or, or doing a different kind of treatment for the child. Uh, but with the ETMR, with how fast it grows, we've seen children uh, you know, with regrowth within months or within mm-hmm. Marty's case, it was in, within weeks uh, that this tumor grew back. And uh, to, to see that happening, not a lot of people are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of the doctors are doing multiple MRIs and multiple CT scans on children multiple times in a month. You know, um, usually an MRI is good three to six months. Right? They're quite happy with it and they're quite content with it. And in Marty's case, that was the case. They weren't, they weren't going to do an MRI overhead. Yeah. We're just going to proceed with the chemo. Uh, but, you know, we, we pressed for that MRI overhead and we're glad we did. And now it appears that the protocol is changing with ETMR children that they have to do multiple scans more frequently um, just to make sure what's going on. They have to keep a monitor on it because if it okay. does come back, it comes back faster. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, so just, you know, for those, um, you know, very, I mean, there's a lot of us like, I mean, I'm, look, I'm very fortunate. I got four, you know, four, have four kids and they're all freaking healthy for, for those families, uh, Tommy, that are going through this, like what advice would you give to, you know, it's, you know, it's much, I think it's much different when you've got a child, you know, especially a two-year-old going through cancer as opposed to, you know, a full-grown adult. What, what, what advice would you give to, to a family going through that? Yeah, like, you know, I'm fortunate to be with the foundation in touch with many families or were referred to by many families who reach out to us to, for, for help and understanding and, trying to figure things out, not just with Marnie's tumor, but in general with cancer as a whole. Um, and we've been able to come alongside those families and, and help walk them through many of the things that they're dealing with and what to expect. Um, I think the biggest thing that we try to convey right away is number one, they're not alone. Um, that there are many, many people and organizations that are there to help them through their journey in cancer. Uh, but again, Every cancer is different, every child is different, and every, every treatment is different, right? Um, so sadly, there's this parallel universe that you know, exists, and unless you walk in childhood cancer, you don't know it's there. You don't, mm-hmm. You're not exposed to it. You, know, you said yourself, Paul, and, and I know this, you have a beautiful family of four, and you know, until we started talking, became friends, you really didn't understand the, the childhood cancer world and what, mm-hmm. what was there, right? Mm-hmm. So unless you're exposed to it, you don't really know what's going on. Our foundation was created because of that gap. Uh, as much as I, you know, rave about CHEO and, and sick kids and the health benefits that we've had and the professionals that work at those institutions, there's a lot of gaps in the system 
that uh, we personally experienced as our, our journey in cancer as we walked through it, that we saw just the fundamental things that were failing in, in being able to help a family uh, and just come alongside them, help them understand what they're going to be experiencing um, and try to give them some guidance in that um, and, and provide them with some wisdom. And, and also, you know, uh, to fight for them as well. As you know, we advocate at the government level. We've worked very closely with Health Canada. Uh, you know, Pierre Polyev is a, is a member of our, uh, our support team. And uh, there's many times where several MPs across the country have heard my voice on the phone uh, fighting for the rights to get a child into treatment that's not available in their province, whether it be out of province or out of country. And we've been successful at moving kids from their source of treatment center to other treatment centers that provide them with some form of care. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, so we've been able to do some pretty cool things and provide support for families who are first diagnosed. What, what's, what was the path from, you know, Mer, Marnie recovering to, to the foundation and maybe, maybe, you know, bring the audience to what, what was behind starting the foundation in, in the first place, Tommy? For me, I, so it was my, you know, I just, it's a good question, Paul. I think for me, it was like, if I see something broken and don't do anything to help fix the problem, sometimes it just needs the second set of eyes. Uh, I felt that, you know, shame on me for not being able to, to help. And uh, Marnie was in a good spot. And she had made it through the worst of, of everything. And I, I just felt that, you know, with my connections and with, with the people that I knew we could put a team together and, and man, what a team we did put together. Uh, we were able to put a team together that would be like uh, hardcore. Uh, when people looked at our, our board members, they would say, man, they're serious about what they're doing and they want to make a difference. And, and so the Miracle Market Foundation was created for that. It was like, not absolutely for ETMR, uh, Marnie's particular tumor, because the more rare the tumor, the less the funding, right? You only have one or two children dealing with this. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not going to throw a lot of money. Uh, but what they fail to understand is in the research side of the world, uh, you know, while they're doing research on Marnie's tumor, which is, you know, a couple kids here in Canada. Uh, you know, they're discovering certain uh, markers and guidelines that other researchers working on other cancers are actually paying attention to as well. And, uh, and so, you know, they all work together. It's why at SickKids, the research center at SickKids is like, I think it's 25 stories high and all the researchers are in one spot because they're all collaborating with each other, no matter what they're working on, because you may find something in someone else's research that could be helpful in yours. Oh, I see. And so, see. Uh, you know, our team that we've put together is, is, is uh, we're very proud of them. They're such hardworking individuals. Uh, they're professional in everything they do. And, uh, and they have wonderful ideas. And, uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're blessed to have them on our team. Mm -hmm. And they keep us in the on the medical side, but they also keep us in the loop on being able to run events and do those kinds of things. What, what are some, what are some of the highlights maybe for, for,
for the audience that that you've been able to change already with with the foundation whether that's you know maybe just the like why don't you talk about the story about the food uh, tommy i think that's that's a marvelous story I mean, for look, for those of you that, I mean, I know a lot of the audience doesn't know you, Tommy. Like, this guy's a pit bull, man. Like, I worked with him on this this gala we did last year. Like, man, this guy's, like, military. Like, this guy's awesome. Uh, so, Tommy, bring us through that, like, like the, the change of food for, for Marnie. Yeah, so, you know, when you're in cancer, you're sort of following the protocols that they want you to follow uh, at the medical level. But you want to do the best that you can for your child when you have those opportunities. And, and one of the things that, that Marnie was being fed was a product because uh, she was on a feeding tube and it was a liquid, it was a liquid shake kind of thing, sort of like boost and all that. Mm-hmm. But most of those product lines, their, their fundamental foundation is, is lots of corn syrup and lots of sugars and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's not really great for a growing child who's fighting cancer. And, and so we, we started searching with other families to look for an alternative. We found a product out of the States, and uh, it, was a, it was a woman who was a chef. Her dad had a brain injury. He was on a feeding tube. And, uh, and she, she tried, just like we were trying, to find something healthy to feed their children or feed her father through a feeding tube. And, and blending wasn't going to work for us because you need cases and cases of vegetables and stuff. Anyway, long story short, she creates this company called Functional Formularies. And two of their products, one is Liquid Hope, and the other one is Nourish. And Nourish is for pediatrics. Basically, it's a vegetarian-based, non-GMO, organic uh, food line that's liquid that can Mm -hmm. go into the feeding tube and provide health for the child. And, And basically, what our goal was was we knew that radiation and chemo was destroying Marnie's cells at an alarming rate and attacking her organs. The only thing that we felt that we could help her with was her diet. And to help restore those cells, we looked for whole food to help protect her body. And so we got hooked on, uh, I called functional formulas. I actually became friends with their lead sales rep out of the States and a fantastic guy who gave me all the information that I needed. And anyway, they sent us a sample and uh, we actually grabbed a sample from another family out of SickKids. And we tried, we said, you know, we're going to try Marnie on it just a little bit at a time. Uh, Marnie was in a situation where it was liquid in, liquid out, as you can imagine. There was no nourishment uh, to say that she was receiving uh, nourish, you know. Um, So we tried a little bit in her feeding tube and within probably eight hours we saw Marnie have uh, a significant change to her to her bowels right away uh then we started seeing over the course of 24 hours and 48 hours we started seeing like her skin was becoming more softer and her her the, the the texture or the color of her skin was becoming more pink and uh anyway we continued to to use the product more and more until I was convinced that it was by far the best product that we could provide our daughter to help her recover from all the drugs that she was on. Wow. So then I started ordering cases of it uh, from the States because it wasn't available in Canada yet. And, uh, and so I started ordering it and I would order 10 cases at a time and it's a food replacement. So there's no, there's no tax. 
and uh, I would go down, or there's no duty on it, and I would bring the I bring the cases across the border. Um, and so, long story short, uh, I I became friends with the sales rep out of out of the states. I said, "You got to get this product in Canada." He's like, "It's already in BC, um, but we need distributors in Canada," and they were working on that. And at the end of the day, we introduced functional formularies to Chio and Sick Kids, and they now carry that product line, and uh, and it is now available in Canada. Uh, yeah, that's that's in, that's incredible, Tommy. Great job, my yeah. friend. Great job. Geez, I got goosebumps here. Give me a second. Uh, that was, sorry. That was, of, that was one of the bigger victories that we had. Obviously, we won a few victories with. Uh, as a foundation, uh, getting children into care, one, two of them we sent to the states, and uh, and then one we sent from Alberta to Ontario to Toronto for for transplant. Okay. That, that their their provinces had initially refused to give them that care, and and then we got involved and we were able to change their mind. What uh, what would you say? Just want to go back to last year, uh, Tommy, the gala that it was the first ever gala that that you that you put on with the Miracle Marnie Foundation. It was a great event. Um, maybe just review the gala for those um, those in the audience that 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 weren't there. Yeah, no, we we decided to have a, an over the top gala and. Uh, and I think, you know, putting it together, we put together a committee to, to help run that. And you were a part of that. Um, and Kim Lambert and Rocco and Freddie and, and, and uh, there's so there's so many Bob. Trudell yeah, and I, th and, I think and I think we started what in August. I think we started, yeah, the, started for the audience that's listening. We like we started this thing in August. And like I said, yeah. this guy, this guy gets the bull by the horns and just drives it like we, within, we, you know, well, we had tickets. What, what I think we sold out like in a month. Like it was crazy. We did well. We did. We did very well. And uh, and uh, you know, like we we really wanted to make it special. And uh, we had uh, we had the St. Mark's uh, band that came, and they turned out to be a lot more than what I expected. And they were <laughs> they had dance. They had singers. They they had like it was just like a uh, it was just like watching a jazz band. In the yeah, that's true. Right? And yeah. they were. They were amazing and they had all their singers at the front and they're all doing choreography moves. And uh, we had wonderful representation from the RCMP who uh, mm. they showed up in their, in their Stetsons and their, uh, their red, uh, their red uh, tunics and uh, graced us on the red carpet. We did photo ops. Uh, you know, it, it was, uh, we were really, really, uh, fortunate to have uh, a great organizational uh, team that was able to put that together. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, kudos, look, kudos to you. I mean, that was all spearheaded by, uh, by you. And well, and, and, you know, and Chris, Chris Neal and his wife, Kate were yeah. guest speakers. We did an interview. Ian Mendez was our, was our MC and uh, we were able to sit on, sit and be interviewed. And we talked a little bit about the old days, but, we were able to talk Chris and, and Kate, our honorary chairs of Rogers House. They're exposed to the cancer world in, in pediatrics a lot and uh, it gave them an opportunity, I think, and a platform to tell a little bit about the stories that they've, they've been with. And obviously they've been uh, big supporters of us uh, through our cancer journey and, 
And so, yeah, no, the gala was a great success. We were very, very pleased with the turnout. We were hoping to go bigger and better. Um, but uh, with COVID, it, it really shut everything down on us. Yeah, yeah. And what, I'm obviously, we don't know what's going to happen next year with uh, yeah, no, with COVID and everything. It's, it's tough to say, but definitely, uh, hope, you know, fingers crossed that uh, we can get over the COVID hump here and, and get uh, – get back to a little bit more normalcy. I just want to get into, just finish up here a little bit, get yeah. to know a little bit more about you here, Tommy. What, what, yeah. what do you do? And, you know, having gone through a very stressful period as, as you did with Marnie, what did, you, what did you do to stay balanced that you would give advice to people? You know, there's a lot of people listening that are maybe starting a business or maybe they've lost their job or, you know, it's a different work environment, maybe working from home. And what would, what advice would you have for people to stay balanced on? Oh, wow. Good question. Well, number one, I'm, I'm far from perfect. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, there, there are, are many moments where, you know, the, uh, you just look at yourself in the mirror and you go, what on earth, you know? Uh, never thought I'd be here at this stage of my life with uh, with a child with surviving cancer and, and just uh, being in you know in, in the lockdown world in the COVID world where we're sort of exposed to that in the cancer world quite a bit uh, you know isolation and being uh, being um, kind of like on your own I remember being at sick kids and uh, the the room at sick kids wasn't designed to have a parent stay overnight in the isolation and it was a 12 by 12 foot room and uh and we were there for three months and uh you know so you talk isolation and stuff but um i guess i guess for me you know you need to have something that you can rely on wholeheartedly 100 percent and and for us, you know, as a family, it's our faith, and mm-hmm. uh, our faith is us through the darkest darkest days. Sure, we struggle, and sure we have issues, and sure we have problems still, um, and and just trying to, you know, you can imagine having a child in cancer, and every time you have to go for a new scan, the anxiety that could creep up very very mm-hmm. quickly on you, really be overwhelming and crippling if you allowed it to happen. Um, Marnie's had 21 scans of her brain uh, post-surgery. And, uh, you know, that's 21 times that you're waiting for someone to come out and say it's back. Um, so, I, you know, I would encourage people to have some form of faith. Uh, for us, you know, it, we, we trust in the Lord that he's going to keep Marnie safe and, uh, and keep us on the up and up as, as mom and dad and, and keep us, you know, uh, the strongest that we can be for our kids. It's, it's definitely very, very difficult in COVID. Um, but we know that uh, he has a plan for our family and for Mari. Uh, we've seen it unfold a little bit. There's many beautiful things that have happened out of a very bad situation. And uh, so we just lean on him to get help uh, choose our pathway for us to, to help us through all that. Does, uh, does, does Thomas genuinely have any hobbies or interests? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> besides I the Dallas Cowboys, I, but we won't get into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
those suck right now, but that's okay. <laughs> um, uh, My Broncos know, I, ain't much better. It's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have, uh, I have a good uh, happiness about my NCAA team, which is Notre Dame, who <laughs> knocked off Syracuse, or uh, who, who did they knock off there? The other, the number one ranked team. I forget who it is. Um, anyway, long story short, was it yeah, Clemson? Hop- did they play Clemson? It was Clemson? Yeah, it was the Clemson yeah. Tigers. Yeah, um, I, I, I do enjoy hunting. I haven't been able to experience that in a long time. Yeah, uh, with Marnie, with Marnie's sickness and just being able, but the girls have expressed an interest in joining me, so I'm encouraged by that. Yeah. Um, but I have been able to get out with a few friends uh, who have been uh, been awesome to me to do that, and uh, so I do that. And uh, I took up, uh, believe it or not, collecting old uh, Tonka uh, and and Island and, and Buddy L trucks while I was while I've been off and stuff. Oh, awesome. And, uh, yeah, so it's kind of neat, you know. You sort of have a flashback to your childhood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I had a ton of Tonkas when I was young. Well, I'll tell you, they're they're worth a lot more. <laughs> if I <laughs> if I knew what what they'd be worth, I wouldn't have destroyed all the ones that I had. You know. <laughs> you know what you mentioned the you mentioned the the hunting, and it just came to yeah. mind. Can can you tell that story quickly about you you heading down? after Marnie had, had finished all this, all the treatments and stuff and, and, and Mike Fisher invites you down to go fishing there. Yeah. Well, I didn't think we're, well, we were going fishing, but I didn't think we were going Yeah, to do, you know, the, the fishing that we ended up doing, which was great. Um, I just wanted to go and, and hang out and visit. And uh, so we were able to, we were able to go down and, and a buddy of mine, Don Slyker, who lives down there, uh, he's a, a fish guide and so we, we got down there and, and uh there was a bunch of us that, that got together and mike said well you know why don't we head over to the to the fishing hole kind of thing and so we all just jumped in the truck and headed over kind of thing little did i know i think it was luke bryan or tim mcgraw's property that we were going <laughs> fishing at which was which was kind of fun you know so you just um yeah you just it's a different world right you just uh, let's go fishing. So it was great spending time with them and, and just hanging out. So that's always good. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what? I got to ask this from the tech, from my, my, my sort of tech, uh, you know, side here. Spot, Spotify or Apple playlist? You got anything you're, you're listening to or? So, so you know, my daughter is probably more techie for playlists <laughs> than I ever will be. Um, and so she she really guides me in those kind of worlds. Yeah. And I, I you know they obviously I I'm being inundated with Jojo Siwa and uh, all the uh, all the little girl music, the princess, the Disney. Uh, just at that age, you know, we were just at that age. But uh, I'm a true country, uh, traditional country guy. Okay. Uh, so George Strait. George Jones, uh, you know, Johnny Cash, um, yeah. you know, Loretta Lynn, like the old school, uh, that's, that's where, that's where my art is. Uh, it's been a long time. So. Did you, uh, did you catch the Charlie Pride, uh, performance at the CMAs? That was great. 
To be honest, no, because I don't have cable. <laughs> okay. And, uh, yeah, and the antenna that thing was was flipping in and out, so it wasn't that wasn't that great. But okay. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't miss that. Okay, favorite favorite book or movie, Tommy? That that you've you know, if if you got to sit down and watch something that's going to get you you know up upbeat or in a better mood or. <laughs> or, a, or a book that to read what what do you recommend to people yeah oh good question i really enjoy uh war war books and war movies i'm not sure if it upbeats me uh to, to that extent but um the series band of brothers was was a very very good series well done historically accurate i i have a degree in military history so that i really really I, I, I critique them very well. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah. and, uh, so Band Brothers, that series, I really enjoyed that. Steve Ambrose. Um, I really enjoyed that. And, uh, and then there's a book called wild at heart and it's, it's from John Eldridge and he's a, he's a, a guy's guy kind of thing and really looks at the heart of a man and, and okay. how you've been created specifically to be who you are, uh, that masculine heart. And uh, I really, uh, I really enjoy that book. Uh, it really gets me back to my grassroots. I like talks about that masculine, that the masculinity that you have, the reason why you like hunting, the reason why guys like Top Gun, and you know the the Three Hundred, all those movies, Braveheart. Um, it's a cool, cool book, and uh, and it's actually a whole series of summer camps that are done now called band of brothers summer camps that okay. he helps run and uh, what's so that, it called again? that's really close to my heart what's wild at heart wild at heart and the author again? john john eldridge okay wild at heart john eldridge yeah okay excellent yeah excellent uh social media just want to jump onto it for a sec you recommend anybody there you follow anybody on social media or yeah, like uh, we do. Obviously, Miracle Marnie follows. We're on Instagram and we're on Facebook, and and we update everybody who follows us. And we follow quite a few of the medical world, uh, sick kids, uh, Boston Children's Hospital, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not one to uh, to get into the whole kind of you know the social world of you know. Um, the followers and all that kind of stuff. I, <laughs> you know, if you follow, you follow great. If you don't, you don't. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not, uh, we, we, we post out of necessity and we post yeah. out of, uh, out of helping people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what does the, uh, we'll just finish off here, Tommy. What does an ideal day, day off look like for, for you? Yeah, just for those well, those yeah, people looking to relax or take kickback or you know, <laughs> what's that? Oh, so this past, this past summer, I said sleeping in would be great. Um, <laughs> but this past summer, sleeping in, what's that, Tommy? <laughs> what is that? You would you wouldn't know that. You got. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> it's called Prozac, my friend. No. <laughs> um, you know what? This past summer, I was able to take the girls down to we go fishing, and uh, and they caught some they caught some good fish. Uh, so I would I would find some watering holes. I took yeah. them down to Grand Rap. 
rapids and uh and or sorry burritts rapids and i took them to uh to lock 17 and uh and oh, nice. cars did you get anything? and we did we did yeah oh yeah well, yeah we what did uh, you get i think one day we caught 20. 20 uh, what we get anywhere perch bass small where, where are you going, man? I, I, I listen. I've been going to Nichols Island for for I think five years now. I haven't caught anything. Well, see, Paul, <laughs> you know, I would advise you home probably to move from where your location is because <laughs> you're probably not going to catch anything for the next five. <laughs> it's all right. I keep saying to my son, you know, he keeps giving me heck when we. When we go back to Nichols Island, he's like, "Why, Dad? Why, Dad? Why do we keep coming back here? We're not getting anything." I said, "Yeah, but there's musky here. We're gonna get one yeah. sometime. It's gonna pay <laughs> off." <laughs> the one that got away. No, yeah. you know why we catch all. We, I'm happy that the kids can catch a sunfish. You know, I'm overjoyed to just take a picture of them holding a sunfish. And yeah, that's awesome. So they've they've caught perch and bass and and sunfish and Ada caught a, a good sized catfish and. You know they put up a good fight, so that's always yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So no, that, that's an ideal, that's an I- ideal day for sure. And if I could spend some time with my bride and without the kids, sometimes that's always nice too, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, you, you, we just cut out there. You spend some time with the bride, like on a date. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, being able to spend some time together without without children is always a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Very, very true. Okay, Thomas, I, I look, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you sharing your, you know, the Miracle Marnie story with, uh, with the audience. This is, uh, this has been incredible. Every time you tell the story, man, I get goosebumps. Um, oh, thanks for having me. You know, thanks, thanks. No, I appreciate, you know, you, you tell, and again, um, you know, for those those that are out there that you're looking for some advice you know you've got um a family member going through something in in cancer especially with kids you know th- this this guy's got a lot of resources that uh, that can help you at the Miracle Marnie uh, uh, foundation so thomas thank you very much uh, for your time we appreciate it thanks paul take care yeah thanks very much bye bye for those listeners looking for additional information about our guest today Thomas Genioli and the Miracle Marnie Foundation, you can visit them on the web at www.miraclemarniefoundation.com. That's www.miraclemarniefoundation.com. You can also find them on social media on Twitter, at Miracle Marnie, and on Facebook and Instagram at Miracle Marnie Foundation. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. We truly hope you found something of value in the show that you can use in your business or personal life. Please remember to like and subscribe to the show. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite player. Thank you.